Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. David asked pumpkins. <laughs> Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantee is implied. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. Sometimes a soldier fall on his own sword. In three years' time, you will be happy again. Look to your children. Dala. Hey, hello, everybody. What's up? It's Recotopia episode 51. Today's. Yes. Big recommend is going to be Eve's Bayou. I'm Chris Atkinson. I'm Jeremy Scott. And uh, welcome all of you who are in the chat today on Twitch and YouTube, commenting as, and watching us live on a Tuesday. How are you doing today, Jeremy? I'm doing well. Uh, we are recording uh, today with a live audience. And while we are recording, uh, I believe James Gunn is going to announce his DC slate. Um, yeah. And I won't mind if somebody in the chat wants to tell me what that is, because I'm I'm very excited to see what he announces. I think there are some characters that we haven't seen in a long time or at all on film that he is mm -hmm. going to uh, put into films. And so everybody, uh, I don't blame you if you are uh, double screening it today, uh, but we thank you for joining us as always. Uh, your presence uh, makes the show extra fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have any small recommends, Jeremy? Got some smalls. I got some smalls. Uh, mm -hmm. It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small. It's tiny. It's petite. It's wee. We've talked about this movie on a different podcast we used to do. Uh, Alpha Dog is running yeah. again on one of the movie channels. One of my favorite things about Alpha Dog is it never goes off the movie channels for more than a year or two. Mm -hmm. and somebody always is carrying it. And it's a great, for me, now that I've seen it so many times, it's a great background movie because there's so many beats that I love, moments mm -hmm. that I just love watching, uh, but I don't have to necessarily tune into the whole thing. This is based on a true story um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> about an idiot 20-year-old drug dealer who is owed money by another idiot 20-something-year-old drug dealer and decides to kidnap his 15-year-old brother. Um, and once he realizes a few days into it that this is going to end badly for him, well, he decides to order this kid to be killed. Um, and there's a lot of great actors in this movie. Emilio mm -hmm. Hirsch, 
Anton Yelchin, uh, Bruce Willis, Sharon Stone, Ben Foster. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm forgetting people already. Olivia yeah. Wilde, Justin Timberlake, yep. um, just a huge ass cast. Um, and uh, <clears throat> it's so much based on a true story. It was sued. Uh, the lawyer mm -hmm. for the real guy, uh, Emil Hirsch is playing, uh, sued to have the film shut down. And they were filming, one of the conflicts, interestingly enough, was they were filming before they actually caught him in real life. And the DA w had cooperated with the film, giving him all kinds of stuff from the case. And mm -hmm. then it was, he had a conflict, conflict of interest once they caught him, so he couldn't prosecute him and they had to get another DA. Anyway, yeah. um, I think it's great. It's like a 52 on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't understand that. Now, uh, yeah, I think if this movie came out now i think that would be a little bit higher i think back in 2005 i believe is when this were 2006 when this movie came out uh you know i don't know there was something about it that wasn't connecting but i think it would connect now yeah i just i i find it riveting um maybe more so i mean i'm it opens with this cover of <clears throat> um that Wizard of Oz song, Over the Rainbow. Uh, mm -hmm. It's really slow and moody, and it's pictures of baby Anton Yelchin, um, and it breaks my heart every time mm -hmm. um, that he's not with us anymore. Uh, yeah. Because he was such a gifted performer, and he died in mm -hmm. such a stupid, pointless way. Yeah. Um, anyway, my small recommend is Alpha Dog. Uh, let me tell you which movie channel it's on. Um, -da -ba -da -ba -da, I don't know. It's on one of the movie channels um mm -hmm. that's helpful um what, what is what is one of your small recommends uh this might end up being both of my recommends since there's three movies actually it'd be a, a total of three movies in this one recommend here but um uh, uh back in the 90s uh a polish director by the name of Krzysztof kislowski i'm probably pronouncing that wrong um uh, came out with the three colors trilogy it's uh there was a there was a movie called blue another one called white and another called red i remember these um and uh the uh so these are all about an hour and a half each you can watch all of these individually and enjoy them without having to have seen the other however red has uh, a particularly satisfying uh ending if you've seen the full trilogy um and you may and, and that's the only thing i can think of like if you watched red by itself you might be like what's the big deal with this ending or whatever but um to to summarize uh where we where we're uh we're uh, on these movies here blue stars juliette binoche um and uh she has i was sitting there thinking god how many movies have i seen where at the very beginning somebody gets in a car wreck and it kills their family oh no not again <laughs> i've seen this so many times in the past few months you think that i'm like like somehow drawn to it in a way um but that's exactly what happens at the beginning of this movie uh juliette binoche is with her husband and her daughter and uh, there's a car crash and Juliette Binoche is the only one who survives it. And, um, and onto the funeral. And it looks like she isn't really sad about what happened. I mean, she's upset about her daughter, but as, when it comes to her husband, who was a composer, a well-known composer, 
she doesn't seem to care that much about it. In fact, it's downright just like anytime his name comes up, seems like it rattles her a little bit and she's, there's more anger there than sadness. Um, and there's a, there's a moment at the, where she goes to an archive of some sort where there's an unfinished composition waiting in the, uh, waiting there. And the, one of the people who are taking care of it is like, Oh, this looks like a beautiful masterpiece or whatever. And she's like, sure does. And she takes this blueprint of whatever this composition is and destroys it immediately. Uh, and, uh, and she sells off everything in the house. Uh, she doesn't want to have anything to do with any of this stuff. Uh, she even calls somebody that works closely with the family and she's like, do you love me? And the guy's like, yes, I love you. I've always loved you or whatever. And he comes over, they have sex. She, she gets up afterwards and goes, I'm, I'm going to leave now. You, I'm not special. You're going to forget all about this when I, when I leave. And so she leaves and that guy's like, uh, but I'm in love with you and blah, blah, blah. Um, so from, from there, the, basically the question is, does this woman ever experience happiness again, uh, is sort of what we get to, uh, in this movie. She's, she's by herself. She seems to be just in a, in a funk the entire time. And, uh, it doesn't seem like there's any hope for humanity. Will there be hope for her in the end? That's basically what it comes down to, uh, in the, in this movie hmm. white stars, Julie Delpy. Now, Julie Delpy is not in it as often as you might think from somebody who is a first build star on the, on this, on this movie. It's actually uh, a woman who plays her husband and, uh, there's a court case at the very beginning of it. It's a divorce court case where this man who's from Poland has married Julie Delpy and, and they, they're, they're getting a divorce because they, they've never consummated the, ma the marriage. And from what we, what we understand, Julie Delpy really wanted to consummate that marriage, but he couldn't for some reason. <laughs> um, and, um, and so he loses everything in this divorce case. Uh, ends up with just a suitcase basically. And he's like playing, uh, he he's playing a comb as an instrument or something in, in the, in the subways of Paris. Um, he is encountered by a man, uh, who is also from Poland who, uh, gives him, uh, who tells him I could give you, I know somebody back in our homeland who says, if you kill him, he will give you all this money that would last you for six months. He's got a family, but he wants, he doesn't want to be part of this world anymore, basically, or something like that. And mm. there, and, it, and the, the, our main guy's like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to go back to our homeland. I don't have my passport anymore and all that. But he concocts a plan to put himself inside the giant suitcase that he's left with and somehow get ported through the airport terminal in in his in the suitcase so he's going through baggage now this is the 90s maybe they didn't check bags back in the day <laughs> uh, uh but uh he is able to get back to poland this way uh but there is one there is one issue uh people at the airport stole there's some people who work for the airplane airport or the airline who stole the suitcase that he's in and they've taken him out into the middle of somewhere in Poland. And like, they're expecting to get this huge bounty out of it. And, uh, and he, and they open up the case and just find this dude in there, nothing, no money to be gained. They beat him up and then they, and they, they move on their way. 
but he's so happy. He's back in his homeland. He doesn't care that he got beat up. This, uh, he's even he's even close to where he lives. It's amazing. It's and so he got he uh, he uh, goes to his brother who works at a barber shop. Guy, the brother's like, I'll let you stay here if you as long as you cut some heads every week. And he's like, okay, cool. And then he gets a job as a security guard. And as a security guard, he finds out this plot to to buy all of this uh, this farmland that is going to make these two people very rich. And he decides to buy very key uh, properties in this, in this section of land that they're talking about. He's got a bunch of money saved in Poland. I don't remember how he has all <laughs> this money saved, but he's able to buy this land with it. And because he buys these little key properties, um, the people who want to buy this land for cheap have to go through him to get to some, to, to the stuff. So he's basically just building up a, a crazy empire and he wants to get Julie Delpy back. And he's trying to call her the whole through the movie. He's trying to get her back and she's just hangs up the phone and doesn't want to have anything to do with her, but he has a plot to bring her back. I won't get you. I won't spoil what happens with that, but that's the basic premise of white. And then red, which is the the classic of this. I mean, both the blue and white are great movies. Red is the uh, is the masterpiece of the group. Um, it follows a model who um, who is uh, doing some sort of photo shoot for like a gum a gum commercial, a, a, one of those billboard ads, and um, and uh, she one day she's trying she's driving home and she hits a dog. And she gets out and sees the dog that's hurt. And she's like, oh, I'm going to have to take care of this dog. And she actually finds out who the owner is, goes to the owner and says, this is, I think I found your dog. I hit him and I need to take him to a vet. And the guy doesn't seem really concerned about the dog really at all. He's just like, okay, yeah, that's probably what you need to do then. She takes him to the vet. Vet takes care of the dog. Dog's going to even have puppies. It's a, it's a happy a happy thing. Uh, so she takes care of the dog for a while. Then she goes back to that, to that guy and, and, uh, says, uh, says, here's your dog back or whatever. He's, um, paid her money to take her to the, take, to take the dog to the vet. Um, uh, he pays too much money. So that's why she goes back to him and said, Hey, I want, I want to give you back some of this money. You paid too much. She finds out through all of this, that he's eavesdropping on his neighbors. He's got this, uh, elaborate system to overhear people's phone calls. And, um, and she's like, that's, that's messed up. You shouldn't do that type of thing. And he goes, you know what? I want you to go over to my neighbor right now and tell him that I'm, uh, that people are over, over, uh, hearing his calls and that I'm the one who's doing it. It's not going to matter one way or the other. And it's the, the, the scandalous thing that's happening with his neighbor is that he's married and yet he's having an affair with another man and he's having a phone call with this man and they're having this very explicit conversation over the phone. She goes over to the house, finds out that the, uh, the wife has is obviously clueless, but his daughter is sitting there listening on the other end of the line during the whole thing. So his daughter knows and she tell she decides not to tell them and she comes back he says, I didn't tell them because he goes, it doesn't matter. Eventually someone's going to find this out anyway. And, <laughs> uh, and so it's a very mysterious type of thing. Uh, 
this one red red will take a lot to get into there's a lot of the there's a there's a lot of connections between her character and there's this side character that they keep showing a would-be judge they keep going back and forth between the two they live in close proximity and it's basically one of those movies where a decision that she makes affects that person in some very weird and strange ways and uh and one of the, and and this is one of those movies where it's just like every decision matters in some way and and every little thing that every little character we've seen has been is connected in some way hmm. um and so every decision that is made in this movie affects one or the other and it's really fun it's a really great movie it's a, i mean it, it's it's pretty much hardcore drama but it's a fun movie to watch because there's so much uh, in the way of, of, of connecting these characters. And of course, by the end of it, there is a full on connection with all three movies. And, hmm. uh, uh, this, this is, uh, this was, uh, s- some great stuff. I, I, I it, it feels weird discovering movies, you know, 30 years after they've come out and telling everybody, Hey, I found these. Mo- Have you ever heard of these movies that like apparently critics fawned over back in the day? Um, and uh and i and i now um i uh pass that along to you guys hopefully you guys I've will watch never seen Blue any White of these Man. i don't think mm-hmm. uh, i remember yeah. them i remember reading about them and hearing about them and I, they just were always at the periphery of what i was watching mm-hmm. um but uh they will bump up my list now because your and, recommends are usually good and castro says what exactly is the through line for these three movies well i can't tell you that yeah i'll be spoilers there is a there is a connection between blue and white very early on that I could tell you about because in 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 blue Juliette Binoche walks in on some sort of court case and she's kicked out. We don't know what the court case is, but in white that just so happens to be the court case in the beginning, the divorce court case. Hmm. So she does walk in on that at the very beginning. And there's also uh, a weird like uh, there's a there's a, a thing that the each movie follows where it shows this old lady going to like a recycling kiosk or whatever and having a very hard time pushing a glass bottle into it. And each movie follows this, has a scene where this woman shows up and pushes the, tries to push the bottle into the, into the recycling thing. So there's like little minor ones, but red ends with a major one. Um, and, uh, and it's one of those where it's like, I am so happy that I watched, the other two movies before i watched this uh so um so yeah the, these are really good they're all short i mean of course it would take you roughly five hours to watch all three but if you if you took them one at a time each one's an hour and a half so hmm. all right very good i think mm-hmm. i think that was good enough long enough sus- like sustenance enough that we should probably just move into the main recommend instead of dealing with the smalls i'm fine i'm fine it's just that you're so big it's so huge it's a good rule but this is bigger than rules it's bigger on the inside is it i noticed the uh, big recommend is 1997's eve's bayou uh mm. directed by casey lemons and um this is a movie that i think it it passed me by back in 1997 and i can't remember if our my theater that i was working at at the time had this movie or what i i uh ended up uh finding this movie um uh later in life and uh and uh i 
it's one of those that I think has just sort of somehow, um, it is, it's gone under the radar and, um, and, uh, I'm glad to kind of like, uh, put it back in, uh, the spotlight today, at least a small spotlight that we can put on it. Um, uh, but, uh, East Bayou, um, stars Samuel L. Jackson and it stars Lynn Whitfield as the main adult stars, but it's really journey Smollett and Megan goods movie, mm. um, uh, who play their daughters. Um, and, and for the most part, this movie's kind of episodic, there's not a lot, there's not like a big, huge plot line that's going through this. It's sort of a coming of age, uh, type movie. Um, but it starts off, uh, you know, we find out that Eve's Bayou is named after a slave who helped a soldier back in the day. The soldier bestowed a bunch of land to her and then had 16 kids with her or something it's like so that. So casually <laughs> thrown in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, and so this, the, 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 the slave's name was Eve. And it just so happens that Journey Smollett's character is named Eve in this as well. Uh, they are a a wealthy family. Um, uh, probably some some years of of uh, of inheritance has come down, but he's a doctor. Samuel L. Jackson's a doctor, and um, and uh, and uh, Lynn Whitfield is. Uh, I believe she's just a house, just a housewife. I don't want to, <laughs> don't want to reduce that at all. She's a housewife. Um, and, uh, and, uh, they, they are having this big party at the beginning where it sets up a lot of different characters. Um, and, uh, there's a, there's a, the, what's the uh, woman's the Moreau. Yeah. There's a, there's a woman, and her husband, Maddie Moreau and Lenny Moreau, who are dancing. And everybody's like talking about this Maddie Moreau because she's she seems to be getting around and they're all talking about it. She's it's like she's not he's not the only one that's been getting with her and blah, 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 and all that. And um and we uh and during this party we see that you know, Samuel L. Jackson, he's, he's the, he's sort of the life of the party. He even dances with Maddie Moreau, but it didn't look like there's anything going on there, but Lenny seems to ha think there might be, he's a little concerned that there's something going on there. Uh, and we're not really sure. It looks like, why would he, why would, uh, Samuel L. Jackson be cheating on his wife? Lynn Whitfield is gorgeous and all that. Uh, there's a point where, uh, where Eve runs out to a, uh, like a, I don't know. It's a garage boathouse, something. I don't know what it is. It's a, it's a, another extension of the house somewhere and, uh, hides out because, uh, she, he's danced with her, with her older sister and he, she's, she's upset that she doesn't get a dance and, uh, she's, she hides out and falls asleep, but she is awakened to her dad, Luis Batiste and this woman, this Moreau woman uh having sex and she is upset about what she sees her dad her dad obviously is like okay we're gonna have to figure out a way out around this one and um and sort of there's a kind of a gaslighting kind of thing that goes on there where there's like there's there's nothing really going on and even her older sister ends up saying oh what, what you really saw which isn't a really great scene too by the way when they show what she really saw yeah because they're both in that garage together 
looking at it. And so what you yeah. really saw was that this this awful person, this awful Maddie Moreau came in and you saw something where like our dad was a knight in shining armor the whole time and she was trying to throw her throw herself at him and that and there was nothing really there that ha- actually happened that our dad can be uh you know can be accused of there. So there's no big deal with that really after like right after that that's there's nothing really it's like we're just we're just led to believe at this point that luis batiste is kind of getting around we know this at this point because he goes around town he he's treating these women and there's he stays at these women's houses and they have these phantom kind of problems that he has to ends up closing the door on his little girl who's following him around one day and says, go out and play. And, uh, and so he's getting around his main squeeze and all this is Maddie though. Uh, he keeps on finding ways to see Maddie, uh, but he's seeing everybody. Uh, and it's getting to the point where he barely even comes home anymore. Um, uh, so it's, it's a lot of this. It's a lot of these little, little details, the, these little, uh, these little sort of vignettes or whatever. Um, there's a point where they go and see a, uh, a, a fortune teller played by Diane Carroll, uh, who tells them that their kid, that the kids are in danger and uh, they can't get, they, they don't want them to get, he doesn't want to get hit by a bus. So basically they keep them in the house for the whole summer uh, because they don't want them to get hit by a bus. And then finally someone else's kid gets hit by a bus and that's when it's okay to go outside. It's really fucked up. It is. Um, but l- they, only the grandma notices. She's like, it, we shouldn't be celebrating that somebody's kid died. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the, there, uh, uh, Luis Batiste's sister, Moselle is also a fortune teller. She calls herself a like fortune, te- like a, medium therapist or something like that. Um, but she apparently has been able to tell the future in the past. She has had, had visions of the actual future. She has this weird curse where she has been married three times and her husbands have died, uh, all three times and nothing that she's done that she knows of anyway. But, uh, the very beginning of this movie has one of her husband's, uh, taking the passenger seat while she, while he's super drunk and she drives him home. And in a, in a, in a, in a weird sequence that I don't know if you realize if you don't, don't have the subtitles on, Mm. you may not even know that that dude died in the, in the car crash until, until a little bit later when you see uh, Eve at the grave site putting uh, flowers on his grave or whatever. It's like, I didn't, I didn't catch that dude's name in the middle of all that, that vision, uh, and everything, uh, uh, Debbie Morgan plays Moselle and I love her. She sort of like really like stood out to me in this cast. Um, I really, really liked her in this that a lot of people think that she's crazy, but she's obviously got some sort of sight because she kind of has, she, she kind of knows what's going to happen with a lot of these people. And if she has maybe, one of the best scenes of the movie, the way that way it's shot and everything, when she talks about uh, her husband and how she was cheating on her husband with another man. And this man, yeah, this man comes in to uh, claim her essentially 
from her husband says, I'm in love with her and I'm going to take her away. But her husband doesn't, doesn't matter what she's done says you're going to have to kill me. Then if you, this is all done in a mirror shot Ugh. that goes all the way. It's really well done. She walks, is, she's in the live shot and the two men are in the mirror shot. And then she walks to our left out of the live shot and enters the mirror shot to join the men. Yes. I wrote two or three different notes about how incredible this whole scene was. It's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It's something that I don't feel like it ever gets talked about. And it's, it's a great moment in like cinema, I believe um to 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 watch how this story unfolds and how it ends and everything she also ends up uh falling in love with uh vondi curtis hall who you may recognize from die hard 2 uh movies such as die hard 2 <laughs> um uh but uh but vondi curtis hall plays julian gray raven who is a man who uh his wife left him and she's he's looking for her and and uh moselle tells tells him that she's never going to come back and there's a great moment where he goes i need to find my wife i need to leave you and find my wife and she goes but but she ain't ever going to come back he goes i need you to find my i need to find my wife so i can divorce her and then i can get with you <laughs> um and um so uh there is a point where uh megan good playing playing cicely batiste um has has a has a has a bunch of stuff that happens to her where we don't know what's going on she has left there's a point during the lockdown uh during that don't don't want my kids to get hit by a bus lockdown that she leaves to go see her dad in the office or whatever she comes back nobody knew where she was she comes back and she's her hair is all different and she is, uh, she's, uh, she's obviously been through some trauma of some sort. Um, and, uh, there's a, there's the onset of her, of her first period. She does not want her doctor dad looking at her, uh, uh, for this. There's something to, and we think, eh, well, maybe it's because, um, maybe it's because it's her dad and you, you know, you don't want your dad knowing about this type of stuff. And so whatever but then she tells the story to her sister that she went down to comfort him after a big argument with, with his wife and that he tried to, uh, be with her, uh, in that moment, it becomes a moment that is the probably going to have the biggest debate, uh, that you're going to have about this movie by the end of it, because by the end of it, we, when, uh, when, uh, Luis has, has died, of course, there's a great amount of like little things that ha I don't know where to start on all this. Cause I keep going, wanting to jump forward and backward and everything. Um, uh, I'll get to the other stuff in a minute, but when he dies, he leaves a note to her sister, to his sister saying, I did not do this, did not do this. She tried to, uh, come at, she tried to come at me like she was a grown woman. Of course, not my daughter. Um, and so the movie ends with a debate basically because Cicely doesn't even seem to know what happened by the end of it or doesn't know how to, how to rectify what the truth was. Um, moving back into how he dies, there's a really interesting sequ sequence of events where it also sets up another debate for you as well. 
does Eve uh, does Eve uh, kill her father because of what she says to uh, the Moreau, uh, the Lenny Moreau guy, or does she kill her father because there's actual voodoo involved? Oh man, and I wrote it, down she kills her father long before she ever got to the voodoo lady. She killed him by mm -hmm. willingly telling her father's side piece's husband about the affair. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. There's a point where she she says she makes this big like weird connection, like like my mom's a homebody. She's alone. She's she's lonely or whatever. And and you're that kind of guy. But my, you know, uh, my dad is not, and your wife is not, and sort of puts this two and two to. Uh, together type of thing in his head without even saying hey i think that they're having an affair she she puts that seed in seed in his head but they all she also goes over to diane carroll medium and says i want to do this voodoo thing and she thinks she does it wrong and uh and uh and then and you know so there's this this there's this idea that maybe the voodoo could be a possible possibility but at least in her head she may not mm. even think that what she sure. said that's a very big possibility. The movie's just saying in her head, in her mind, the voodoo is just as, as strong as her saying what she did to the husband. Um, but she goes in and, and tries to, uh, she goes to her uh, dad who's in a bar with, with this Moreau lady and, and she wants to uh, drag him home. And if he would just go home right then, maybe there wouldn't be a, a problem, but Lenny shows up ready ready to kill him if he if he does the wrong thing and what we what what this uh opening argument in the movie foreshadowed where he and the other guy went back and forth and they went in this big drunken fight and everything yep. is that luis never backs down ever never mm -hmm. ever like quits and there's no there's never a moment where i need to stop i need to stop talking lenny says if you say one more word to my wife I'm going to kill you. And it would be, it would, he, he has taken like that, that line, like, you know, it, I'm not going to kill you because of what you've done. I'm going to kill you from this point forward. If you do anything. And because Luis is drunk and he's his, the way he is, he keeps saying he, he can't, he can't resist telling her good night, Maddie at the end of the, at the end of the thing. And that pull and that, you know, that ends up Lenny goes in on a rampage at that point, just shoots him. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but I love how this, all of this sort of like innocuous kind of thing, like, uh, like, like coming of age story culminates in these two big last moments where the father dies. And then there is also the, the question as to whether, uh, he really did cross the line with Sicily or if Sicily was confused or what, uh, I have my own theory about mm. this. Um, if you want to go ahead and get into that, uh, I, I want to know what you think about this movie first though. Uh, I do want to talk about the, the ending of this though. I was pretty mesmerized by this movie. Um, mm -hmm. those kid actors, um, the two daughters, uh, as you said, this is their movie and they really do a solid job. Uh, especially the young one. Uh, it's a lot to ask, uh, a, a girl that young to convey those kinds of emotions and, mm -hmm. uh, she does a great job. It's no wonder that she's still got a, a fabulous career acting. She's got mm -hmm. lots of talent. I agree with you that the actress who plays the aunt, um, I thought, stole the movie. And it's mm -hmm. not easy to steal a movie from Samuel L. Jackson. Morgan, who's been in a lot of things, but, uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, 
not as not a lot of things that I have seen, and and uh, I want to find more of her. At this yeah, point. she was great. I, I, I've known people like Samuel L. Jackson's character, men that were dogs, but were so charming that even women who knew they were dogs were still drawn to them. Yeah, um, and it's frustrating to watch. Um, and it's also frustrating. I think somebody commented something close to this that that every adult this girl goes to almost to a person fails her like nobody gives her very good advice uh mm -hmm. the aunt is honest when she says don't ever tell anybody about this that's no good but that's still not helpful for the girl who's got this trauma and needs to process it and mm -hmm. like she goes to her sister doesn't believe her uh her dad her dad repeatedly lets her down and tries to charm his way out of it by saying i love my baby girl um mm -hmm. and to see her go to the voodoo lady for ultimate help, I think, is a reflection of the fact that she didn't think there was anyone else that could help. Um, but um, let's see, one or two other things. I, I felt like the whole movie was cloaked with the hint of incest. And mm -hmm. it was very unsettling. And I think it was intentional. Mm -hmm. um, and like, there's even a point uh, not just the Sicily and, and Samuel L's character, but that when Eve is telling Lenny about basically telling him about the affair, the first thing she says is she asks him where the apples are and he points, he just walked by him and she turns to go walk at the apples and he watches her and says, Lord have mercy. And mm. she's 10 fucking years old. Like, yeah. There are so many creepy fucking adults in this movie. Mm -hmm. And again, I think this is the point. I think, this is the murkiness of what she's trying to to tell um <clears throat> but you you kind of understand why eve makes the decisions she does there's also this scene where uh he supposedly hits her after a kiss and mm -hmm. it's questioned who initiated the sexiness of the kiss mm -hmm. uh but you understand why eve decides what she decides after what she's been through um and she's really trying to protect her sister more than kill her dad yeah and yeah. um I don't think without Eve and that actress that this movie works very well at all because most everybody else is other than her siblings are kind of terrible. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think that's supposed to reflect to the foundation of this family with the slavery and the 16 babies in the bog and all that. Mm -hmm. I called it a bog. Um, let's talk about the ending though. Yeah. The, so at the, at the end, there's a sort of a discussion as to, whether so was Luis going after his own daughter was he trying to have sex with his own daughter was there a possibility that she brought it on um both of the narrators are unreliable um and it, there could be a truth in between somewhere but the thing that struck me from the moment that Cicely comes back from that being away trip is that her hair looks so much like her mother's mm -hmm. at the end of it. Um, she looks almost exactly like her mom. Uh, and I get the sense the way the scene has been presented is that he's drunk. He, you can sort of infer a lot of things like he's hoping that his wife will come and reconcile with him. Um, 
he wants some sort of comfort, but he's drunk and he's tired. And this girl comes down and he doesn't recognize immediately that it's not his daughter. Now that may be far-fetched, but I'm putting myself in someone's shoes who's drunk constantly and who is extremely tired and has seen is seeing her daughter seeing his daughter with this hair that looks almost like mm. uh, his wife's and i'm not saying this is going to make this in any way right <laughs> don't like don't get me don't get it twisted i just think that there's times i i know that there's been times for very minor things when i wake up i'm i'll look at my phone sometimes and i'll read something and i think it says one thing Mm-hmm. And then I'll find out later it just meant it said something completely different. And I'm like, what, why did I think it was that? Um, so I, I get the sense that he thought that, that this is my theory. I think that he thought that was his wife at first. He went in for a kiss. She, as the daughter went in for a kiss as well, thinking, well, this is what we do. And then it got weird. And, uh, and then he realized that it wasn't his wife and that it went, had gone too far and that that's what happened. That's what I, that's what I theorize on this whole thing. Well, I think the point of the entire movie, the ultimate bottom layer point is how reliable are our memories. I think that Mm -hmm. is what the movie wants us to question and talk about. There's a line I wrote um, that Aunt Moselle says that I think is also a, th- a theme of the film. She says, no one leaves this earth without feeling terrible pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think yeah. that is maybe the thesis <laughs> mm-hmm. um, of the plot of the film. But I think <laughs> yeah. the film, like a, like a Rashomon kind of film, is really trying to make us think about memory. Well, that's and, a good comparison. Rashomon, for yeah, sure. Yeah, even, I mean, that was my early double feature, but I cast it aside uh, it was too obvious but um mm-hmm. i think the movie makes it wants you to question what is real in this film and what is not and wants you to question your own childhood memories i talk about this with my wife all the time i remember when i was five at christmas we were at grandma and grandpa's house and i had a little red truck that i'd gotten as a gift and i was playing with it on on the sidewalk but there's a picture in a family photo album of me at five years old playing with a red truck on the sidewalk at grandma and grandpa's at Christmas. Do I remember mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Or does the picture become the memory? I don't yeah, know. I can't tell right. you. I yeah. can't tell you anymore. It's so it's 42 years ago. I don't even know. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I think the movie is, is very deep in that regard and very rich for conversation. Um, I could talk, I could show it to my wife, but I could talk for hours about this movie in terms of what, it, what it might be trying to say or what might've happened. Yeah, I, I I like that the you know that's that is definitely one of the the big themes of this. What does what is your memory? What is the, what is your actual memory of something? Uh, I've thought about that many times. Uh, you know, sometimes it's like even sporting events or whatever. You're like, but like I know I remember seeing that back when I was eight years old. And I'm like, did I see that or did yeah. I just see the highlights and think that I remember? Like, there's some there's some world series highlights from the eighties where I thought for sure I was there, but then I remembered back, like those games were super late. Did I watch yeah. the whole thing? Did I watch to that point? Like back then? And I don't remember anymore. I don't even have any idea if I yeah. was up for those moments anymore, but, uh, but yeah, this one, yeah, it really does play a lot with memory and, uh, and, uh, that, 
that dynamic of it. We know that the only thing we know by the end of it is that something inappropriate did happen. We don't know what the motivations yeah. were or anything like that, but we don't know how it got there. And I think the movie is also maybe slightly telling you it doesn't matter uh, who mm. who did what in what situation. Something inappropriate happened. Now we're going to move away from it. Everybody's uh, traumatized. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Now now we're now we're we're burying that letter in the in the in the river, and we're not going to speak of this again, and we're going to move on with our lives and yeah. so on. So. Um, Eve's Bayou, uh, great movie. I was glad to revisit it and, uh, and bring it to this platform. I, uh, I hope a lot of you out there watched it and enjoyed it, uh, as well. Um, so, uh, now we have to, we have to ask Jeremy what your double feature for this movie is. Be very, very quiet. Secret. What secret? Our dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. I'm ready. I, I I did lean Rashomon early because she immediately has her memory questioned about what she saw in that barn. Yeah. Um, but I do think the movie, uh, to pair with this, has to have more in common uh, than just questioning our memories. And I thought, you know what would be perfect if I hadn't double-featured it already? Would be The Virgin Suicides. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Ooh. I, because I think what I really want to go for here is a dysfunctional family, childhood trauma. I'm going to stay away from the incest uh, and the cheating. And listen, I've got two, but I'm going to I'm going to give you an A and a B. Uh, one, B, the one that I almost went with that I really wanted to go with, but I just I don't remember it well enough to sell it as a double feature is Sam Raimi's The Gift. Um, oh yes absolutely i thought about the gift all the way through this because especially it has, with the louisiana yeah setting and, and the everything. fortune telling and it's got this gothic overtone so if you're familiar with that movie you go with that uh i have only seen it the one time uh and i just oh, remember the gift it. would be an amazing double feature with it i think it sure. would be a good one um i hope i don't let you down with the one i actually chose uh i want to go with american beauty um, yeah <clears throat> i thought about american beauty in this as well because there are a lot of the same actions going on there's cheating there's a grown man lusting after a too young girl there's a murder um there's family dysfunction and childhood trauma left and right especially next door at west bentley's house um <laughs> and the, the thing that really sold me on this double feature is their openings uh, american beauty opens with my name is lester burnham this is my neighborhood this is my street this is my life i'm 42 years old in less than a year I'll be dead. And Eve's mm -hmm. Bayou opens with narration that says, the summer I killed my father, I was 10 years old. Yeah. Um, and I think that sold me um, on those two being a, a nice married double feature. There's a lot more to laugh at in American Beauty than there is in uh, Eve's Bayou. But mm -hmm. uh, thematically, I think there's a lot of discussion overlap between those two movies. There's so. a, yeah, American Beauty has a lot of like, maybe not memory um perceptions but just uh what our eyes see mm. uh, especially with the chris cooper character but uh chris cooper is constantly seeing things out of context mm -hmm. like of course the the the, the craziest <laughs> one is the stupid window with all the perfect blocking so that it looks like his his kid is is blowing kevin spacey in that uh garage <laughs> but um but 
just just the the idea of what uh yeah what we perceive when we see certain actions and things like that that movie does really well um so yeah i like american beauty a lot i may like the gift better but i think i think american beauty is a solid double feature with us well and if i had had time to watch the gift and just make certain i just didn't have the memory and yeah you know, you've, conf you've confirmed it and some people in the chat have confirmed that that's a a good pick so you guys just consider that a, a triple feature mm -hmm. yeah there you go absolutely can't go wrong with any of those movies they're all good um okay so what is uh next week's homework jeremy next week's homework kids is a movie i saw in the theater uh when it came out i believe i built the print and uh i had not seen again until two years ago it's a russell crowe starring 2003 movie master and commander far side of the world mm -hmm. um have you seen this chris i have i saw it uh i was at hollywood 27 when this movie came out uh i saw it then i did not like it uh oh, no. and what is interesting though uh i have only i the last time i saw it was 20 years ago uh it has developed a tremendous following since it came out it did not i don't think it did well at the box office no. um and it has developed this tremendous following that I'm like, well, maybe I should give this another chance. And I'm very glad a couple of weeks ago when you had the inspector general or mm. master and commander, I went ahead and ordered this on Blu-ray so I would have it. Um, and so I'm looking forward to revisiting this movie. Um, it's Peter Weir, but I, <laughs> This movie in my head was so average when I first watched it that I thought it was Ron Howard. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Wow. And I hate, I hate bringing that up about Ron Howard because I tend to like Ron Howard. It's just that a lot of the movies that he makes are like, you know, oh, well, that was okay. Um, yeah. uh, this but is, this, uh, yeah, I want to see it. This is on HBO Max. Um, it is uh, a Napoleon era naval drama. Um, I think there's some Hunt for Red October level uh, tactical shenanigans in this movie uh, that are really enjoyable. Uh, the heart of the movie is the friendship between um, <clears throat> Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany is the ship surgeon. He's also a naturalist and has so sort of a disgraced physician past. Uh, and, and he's trying to catch this legendary enemy ship. Um, and... Uh, <clears throat> I'll let you find out whether or not he does and uh, what happens along the way. I I hope that you don't dislike it. Uh, it is an 85 on Rotten Tomatoes, so uh, my hopes are high. And it's a 7.4 mm -hmm. on IMDb, which is higher than normal. Um, yeah. So uh, that's your homework for next week. It's Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. And I'll tell you right now that this is another one of those movies that could have been very much colored by... Uh, my working situation because if if i was watching this movie at a on a midnight or something like that and it's i think it's a two and a half hours it's it's, a, it's one of those kinds of, like around two and a half i think um if i watch this movie late at night then I, I may have just been like just tired watching this thing and uh, didn't give it its, its full due so looking forward to watching it uh refreshed and 20 years later and um yeah i uh uh i can't wait to watch it again so awesome sweetness <clears throat> all and, right do we have um, any uh time for some questions 
David asked pumpkins. <laughs> okay. Um, what is one weird fact you learned from a movie? Example, beyond the Poseidon adventure, Michael Caine is a deep sea wreckage scavenger. And when other people showed up at the site of the Poseidon, he shouted, this is my site. By law, all of it belongs to me. And I turned to my dad and asked, that can't be all he needed to do. And my dad said, yes, that's all he needed to do. <laughs> that's a very specific fact, but I love it. Um. Okay, so so even though I think this fact is has some caveats to it, there's a a completely and unholy unnecessary a, a completely and wholly unnecessary a conversation at the end of Crimson Tide, where Gene Hackman and and, and Denzel Washington are waiting to get their proper orders, and Gene Hackman has to make it a racist thing. I don't know why. <laughs> It makes no sense whatsoever why they bring up the white and black in this, but he's like, have you ever heard of the Lippins honor stallions? He's like, they're all white. And, uh, and, uh, they're, and he says they're from Spain, but they're actually from Portugal or something. like. I don't know what it is. Um, he goes, he goes, uh, he, and Denzel Washington's like, yes, sir. And Gene Hackman's like, yes, sir. You realize that they they came from Portugal or yes, sir. You were, you, you realize that they're all white or whatever. And then Denzel Washington has to tell them that at birth, Lippin's honor stallions were born black and you know, they, they, you know, it's, it's one of these, you have to feel like Quentin Tarantino's rewrite was one of the, that was one of the things that he has wrote to be into the movie. <laughs> Um, uh, but, uh, just an interesting tidbit about Lippin's honor stallions, which I did not know. And I, you know, I, you know, dutifully went to, uh, check, uh, what was being said about them in there. And of course there are some caveats in all of this. Like, it's not like, it's not as basic as there, as it's, as it is in this, uh, piece of dialogue. Uh, but I didn't know that. And there you go. That's a weird fact that I, that I got that has stuck with me. I've always felt like the three, the three most obvious Tarantino touch-ups in that movie were that scene, the Silver Surfer conversation, Silver and Surfer, uh, sure. get the radio fix like Scotty from Star Trek. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and at that, those are all excellent parts of the movie, so I'm not mm -hmm. upset that he yeah. touched that script. Um, my answer is from Molly's Game. Um, oh, yeah. I think is a little bit of an underrated film. It's not it's not the best it, it drags in a few places, but man, she's good. At that Sorkin-esque dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, and she tells a story early on. She's trying to convey that her two older brothers are championship athletes uh, and had higher grade point averages than her, even though she had a 4.0 and is a championship athlete. And she said in any other room, I'm, I'm a star except in my own family. Um, but she, the story she tells is about Matthew Robinson, uh, a runner at the Olympics who shattered the world record, but came in second to Jesse Owens. Mm -hmm. And then it turned out that Matthew Robinson's brother was Jackie Robinson. Uh, mm -hmm. And I just, I, I never knew that story. I looked it up. It's true. Uh, I think it's fascinating. I, I would imagine being that guy. Like, I broke the mm -hmm. record too, but nobody remembers mm -hmm. my name. It's like yeah. Seinfeld tells this joke in one of his old stand-up routines where he he's talking about racing and he's like nobody ever remembers who comes in second and he does this thing with his head he was like hero of everybody don't remember who it was like yeah. he just moves his head a half an inch yeah uh i forget the joke i botched it but anyway um 
love that story from Molly's game. Um, yeah. I think we have time for another, but are there any answers here in the, in the, in the chat we need to shout out? Um, let's see. Um, well, yeah, Finn Harris is like how Kirby Silver Surfer is the only true Silver Surfer. Yep, that's a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Dave says Broken Arrow taught me that underground nuclear explosions fuse the sand around the blast so radiation doesn't leak out or something like that. No need to verify. <laughs> um, Jets Met says Day After Tomorrow is how I learned that global warming can do in a matter of days and windy stoves can keep you warm when it's negative 67 outside. <laughs> so people are, are coming up with some very true facts from the movies. Um, and uh, uh, the, oh yeah, Finn Harrow also says my favorite random fact was from the big short. Every 1% unemployment goes up 50,000 people die i think brad pitt says that in the movie Mm. um uh but uh but yeah uh good stuff all right uh we got time for one more all right Uh, what what is a movie lie that you believed for too long and it blew you away when you learned the truth the example here is when i was 10 my sister told me how clever it was that lieutenant dan and forrest gump was a legless actor and how they hid Hmm. it for the first part of the film I rewatched it, and sure enough, you never see his legs, so I figured they were hiding his prosthetics. I was well into my 20s when I learned that the actor does, in fact, have legs. <laughs> I don't know if I have anything like that, uh, but um, there were long rumors that in the movie Don't Look Now that Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie actually had sex in their sex scenes. Uh, this was uh, sort of a thing that... Uh, I didn't realize where the rumor came from. I just assumed that people on set started murmuring about the sex scenes and how it looked too close to it and everything. Of course you watch don't look now. It's not like the sex scenes in those, in that, in those movies are like, wow, that's hot. You know, it's not like you you're looking at it that way. So it's not really what's on screen, but I think that the truth of, to, of the matter is, is that a producer of the movie walked on set, and saw some of this uh getting shot and this was i think before the days of closed set so like people would have the sex scenes you know in front of everybody who <laughs> wanted to come along and watch it i think is pretty much what it came down to maybe there were some closed sets back in the day i don't know but the producer came by and saw what was going on and he swore up and down that donald sutherland was actually having sex with julie christie christie but he's the only person out of that entire group that uh that thought that was what was happening um and then i don't know if you remember when eyes wide shut was getting uh shot Mm. there were a lot of rumors about what that movie was even about Mm -hmm. and then there were you know people who were leaving the production and i think the imdb trivia even had this listed at one point i don't think it does now but uh it said because like Harvey Keitel was supposed to be in this movie. And it said there was a scene where Harvey Keitel got so aroused. They had to, they had to kick him off the set because he was being a menace of some sort. And I'm like, Oh wow, that's fucked up. And then you find out later, eh, he just had scheduling conflicts. He couldn't, he couldn't finish the movie because it was running too long. That's it. And there's really nothing in the filming of eyes wide shut that would make you think that somebody would have an erection and just, you know because there's there's look there's a lot of nudity in eyes wide shut i wouldn't say there's much sexy going on in eyes wide shut. right no i agree there's, it's, there's not it's much icky. in there so like you know it's it's not one of those it's one not one of those type of movies so 
yeah, uh, that was, the, I think the Harvey Keitel thing blew my mind more than any of them because it was, it felt like back in the day, that felt like such a true story for some reason. Of course, now if I hear something like that, I'm like, okay, can I get some other sources to corroborate that, please? And yeah. uh, whatever. So, yeah, there you go. I have a very boring answer to this question, but I grew up, um, we didn't have cable and I wasn't for the most part allowed to go to movies. My dad watched a lot of Perry Mason and Matlock. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, I snuck away to see a few good men uh, mm -hmm. when I was late in high school. And I, I did not realize that trials were boring as fuck in real life until mm -hmm. I think maybe the OJ trial where yeah. they aired so much of that, or at least played so much of it, on the news there was i remember feeling like let's do something already let's go like let's and even the oj show that came along behind it made it a tv trial instead of mm -hmm. you know it's just and then i not too long after that i wrote that the, the, the william kennedy smith trial was was on he was on trial mm -hmm. for rape i believe mm -hmm. um infamously they covered up somebody's face in that trial with a dot on screen mm -hmm. um, but i remember thinking this is goddamn boring like well, yeah I, I understand a movie can't be boring but they basically completely rewrote how the legal profession works for movies and it's just yeah wild to me. <clears throat> over in the chat jet smith says uh thanks to back to the future i thought all deloreans looked like the time machine mm. uh josh zero says that uh hitchcock's rope was a one shot didn't learn about hidden cuts until maybe five years ago yeah when you when i first watched rope i thought that it was done all in one shot as well um but then I, I think i heard about the hidden cuts pretty early on into that but like i was still i was still uh, unclear on the concept that he was going up on to the back of somebody's jacket or something and then cutting back to the jacket and then coming back out so that it would look like it was one seamless cut i had a, i i uh that is an interesting one um uh, I, uh, James says, I'm always bummed to learn that a striking piece of film music is ripping off another classical piece. Craig Armstrong ripped off John Adams chairman dances for Baz Luhrmann's the great Catsby and the mm. bat. And you'll see that with Baz Luhrmann movies a lot. Baz Luhrmann does that quite a bit. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it. I think for this, uh, this episode. And, uh, once again, thank you guys for coming out and, uh, commenting on, uh, Twitch and YouTube today. We appreciate you coming out and uh, watching us uh, talk some movies every week. We're, we appreciate that. Yep. Uh, next week is going to be Master and Commander. Uh, can't wait to revisit that. And uh, so that's going to be it, guys. We'll see All you. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. part of the live show by being a member of the sin club at patreon at patreon.com slash cinema sins chat with us on the cinema sins discord at discord.gg slash cinema sins or cinema sins twitter at cinema sins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinema sins.com that's r-e-c-o-t-o-p-i-a at cinema sins.com Beef jerky is amazing. I uh, I might have told you this, but there's a, a new golf game coming in, I think, March or April. Mm -hmm. It's uh, EA Sports is, hasn't made a golf game for a few years, but they're making one this year, and mm. it's called PGA Tour 
2023, but you get you can play the Masters. Yeah, you you um, you put this on Slack. We were talking about that. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm gonna do that with Ian on Twitch. Oh, that'll be sweet. Play some golf together um, and stream and maybe do it semi regularly. Yeah, um, that'll be fun. So I think that'll be really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to. I'd because, love to tune into that one. Well, yeah, and you can always maybe we'll have a third person join us every now and then. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you can play up to four or more people. Oh, sure, sure. Do you have to know how to play real golf to be able to play this golf? No, mm-hmm. no. I mean, you know enough. First of all, you've played around a golf. You know enough about golf if you've just seen some of it on TV mm-hmm. to be able to play the video game. And it'll make you think you're awesome at golf. I imagine and, it's it's probably a little bit different from, like, I haven't I haven't played a lot of sports, video game sports, since the early 90s. And I remember... Yeah. Like when you would play basketball on the Sega Genesis or whatever, and you made a shot, you, when you took a shot, there would be one thing for the power and one for the accuracy. So if you got it yes. in, within the one part and the other part, you usually got the shot down. Uh, I imagine things have gotten a little bit more complex since then. I don't think so. I The last golf game I played was uh, a 2K game, and it was 2K21, I mm-hmm. think. And that was basically pull down on the left stick for backswing, mm-hmm. go straight up on the left stick for, for swing through. Mm-hmm. And that determined like how fast you did it, determined the club head speed. Hmm. And of course, it's easy to miss and get a little off center. And that determined, you know, the accuracy of uh, how far the ball goes. But once you once you sort of master that, which only took me a few months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the awesome thing that i want to see about this masters game is how detailed it's going to be because they they apparently have some technology that makes it like down to the plant yes <laughs> and they're going to they gave be- them uh, augusta gave them access to their it's got some awesome name like horticultural database or something mm-hmm. uh so that yeah and then they also used that same technology that self-driving cars use uh, mm. uh, not led but something something with an l uh that is super advanced tech uh so yes it should be and the graphics at this at this stage should be pretty exquisite as well so mm. it should be down to the plant uh which is wild i bet people who go there every single year don't know down to the plant no what it looks like but having been once uh, for two days, I'm excited to see that course. Now, you've been able to play the Masters course, apparently, on a couple of previous golf games. Yep. Uh, but they were, the graphics weren't as good. Um, <clears throat> gameplay wasn't as, it was, they, the Masters has always been reluctant to license their course to, like, the big dogs. But this year, they are. And uh, But also, in addition to that, you can play all four courses that they're going to play the majors on in 2023 in real life. Mm-hmm. So those courses are on this game and you can play uh the Florida course with the Island Green at the TP uh TPC Sawgrass, I think is the name of the course. Um uh Scottsdale, no Sawgrass. Anyway, uh it's the Players Championship. Um <clears throat> I'm excited. Yeah. Isn't there a hole that they're changing they're they're going to be changing? Yes. Yes, and I don't actually know if that's going to be in the game. It probably will be. Um uh, they are lengthening 13 which is where i spent most of my time when i went mm. uh it's the big dog leg to the left 
uh, mm-hmm. with the pine trees on both sides. It's mm-hmm. a par five. And the way that the game has gotten, everybody can drive 320, 330. And so birdies and eagles happen a lot. Uh, I saw Tiger Woods make an eagle on that. Nice. Um, but uh, they're pulling back the tee by about, I don't know, 50 or 60 yards. There's actually a Twitter account that uses a satellite somehow uh, and takes images of Augusta National mm-hmm. uh, every year to show what the changes are. And mm-hmm. so it'll be a longer hole, but it should still be reachable in two for the big hitters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious to see how that, that changes things. I, I appreciate that while it, it has got all this history that they are willing to change uh, to adapt to what the game has become. It's a hard-ass course, even without lengthening 13 and doing other stuff. so fucking hilly, I don't know if it comes off on television. Almost every tournament has shot tracers now Mm -hmm. that are using laser technology. So you'll see the player swing, and you'll see the ball go off, and a second later you'll see like a red line that basically tra- traces where the ball is going, mm-hmm. and they don't cut to that second angle as quickly anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you still, when they cut, you still don't necessarily know where you are because it's always like a side shot of a yeah. fairway. Uh, but the tracers going off the tee uh, are pretty common now and seem to be pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, because when the tracer goes wildly off to the left, you'll see the golfer like, yeah. put his arm out and his club <laughs> out to the left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> And then the, the coolest tech that I saw was that the players that I was just telling you about, and it is TPC Sawgrass, I looked it up. They have that island green, uh, and it's a terribly hard par three uh, because of the way the stadium seating and the trees create this chaotic wind zone mm-hmm. over where the ball has to go up and through. And they came up with this live animated way of showing you the wind patterns as people were teeing off and you could see the ball go up into that shit and then just go crazy oh really uh, it's not wow. a hard hole because it's an island green it's a hard hole because the winds are insane and mm-hmm. you really don't necessarily know what you're going to get when you throw that ball up there um uh, but I, that's the last time at golf technology like i went in the other room and told my wife about it i thought it was such cool technology the cool thing about the masters is they have all these traditions that people just simply don't break so if you have a you know, a canvas fold-out chair you're going to sit in. You get in the morning, and you can walk to anywhere on the course that spectators are allowed and put that chair there and walk away. Mm-hmm. And no one will move it, and no one will sit in it. Mm. And so we did that and set those chairs right at the bend on 13. And then Tiger hadn't teed off or anything yet, so we went over to I, – I cared about Tiger. I don't know if my dad and my brother did. Mm-hmm. So we went over to 5 and sat in the bleachers and ate a couple of ham sandwiches and spent a, a couple hours watching the guys come up and play number five. And then we went and spent the rest of the day at 13 watching all the big names come through and play that par five. Mm-hmm. I, I know there are people... I, actually, to be fair, once Tiger came through uh, and made that eagle, I did jump over to the other fairway. This is where I got in trouble. Um, <laughs> and uh, followed him all the way through 16, that little par three. And mm-hmm. then I went back to 13 with my brother and my dad. Uh, oh, but, so you didn't yeah, follow you him go. all the way to his, to the last hole then? I didn't know because that, I mean, he was not in contention really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to see him get an Eagle and I did. And then on the next shot, I was maybe 10 feet away from him. And oh, I, really? That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was good enough for me. Um, at, but at that point we were, we were watching Jordan Spieth who, 
ultimately went wire to wire and mm. was young and hadn't won a major yet. Yeah. Uh, and everybody was buzzing about him. And so we wanted to make sure we got back to see his group come through. There was a there was a window oh. there where Tiger was in that Masters, like a like a tiny window, right? Like oh yeah, a little bit. There was a, like a yeah. some palpable excitement that he might be. But he had just come back, right? That was like his comeback Masters, or um, after the car accident, wife stuff. I think so. Think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now this is 2015, um, mm -hmm. and he ends up winning in 2019. Mm -hmm. Um. And he may never do that again. But yeah. You should go. We should go. Um, yeah, I would love to. I, I, I sign up every year for the lottery for tickets, but I never win. Um, <laughs> Except the one time. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.